Hey there, it's Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR. Before we get into the next episode, I wanted to ask that you subscribe to the show. It'll help us get even more unique and interesting guests on the podcast and in turn continue to educate management teams and the growing ecosystem that creates value for fast-growing private and public companies. And while you're at it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. Very much appreciated. I felt like in today's world with all the technology we have access to, we can do better. And I just kept asking that question of why. If this doesn't exist, why? If there's not a company doing it, why? And then why turned into how? And then it became why not? Great business ideas come from addressing an obvious but unmet need and then following your instincts with no hesitation. I decided to jump full-fledged on this just solely based off of potential customers and people in the industry telling me that they really needed it. Being a public company can be hard. Small missteps can have outsized consequences. I'm Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR, and over the last 20 years, we've helped thousands of companies understand and navigate the stock market and the media. We'll demystify these and other increasingly complex stakeholder groups so you can focus on what you do best, building your company, and unlocking your true potential. This is Welcome to the Arena. In an industry booming with customer-focused innovations, it's crucial not to overlook the backbone of an enterprise. Today's guest created a groundbreaking technology that prioritizes health and safety for both customers and in-house staff, and that is a critical asset for the hospitality business as a whole. We're sitting down today with Christine Schindler, who is the CEO and co-founder of PathSpot, a technology company dedicated to protecting businesses and their customers from the threat of foodborne illnesses and outbreaks. An engineer and entrepreneur who is passionate about utilizing technology to overcome gaps in healthcare, Christine invented PathSpot's hand scanner in 2017 following a transformative educational trip to Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. The scanner instantly detects carriers of harmful contamination commonly spread through poor hand washing. PathSpot has now broadened its safety suite to include a comprehensive range of back-of-the-house digital health and safety tools to track temperature, expiration, and more. Christina has a Bachelor of Science in Biomedical Engineering and Global Health from Duke University. Prior to founding PathSpot, she assisted with biomedical research for engineering world health at Mount Kilimanjaro and spent two years on the innovation and M&A team at Cigna. In addition to PathSpot, Christina is founder and CEO at Girls Engineering Change, a nonprofit focused on increasing female representation in STEM. She was also featured in the Forbes 30 Under 30 in 2021 and Hospitality Technologies Top Women in Restaurant Technology in 2023. Let's enter the arena with Christine Schindler. My background's in biomedical engineering and global and public health. And I started my career very much on the research side of that world, spending time, as you mentioned, in Kilimanjaro, building low-cost medical tools and technologies, obviously, for very resource-constricted settings. All of the work was focused on how do we look at the healthcare solutions that we're fortunate enough to have in our hospital networks here domestically and build them for environments where there is 
you know, no heat, no yeah. power, no air conditioning, sometimes no ceiling. Yeah. And when I returned back to the U.S. and was working full time in healthcare networks here in the United States, I just started to see public health discrepancies domestically with a very different lens. You know, it felt like there were these opportunities to bring low cost environments to yeah. those as well. Yeah, I would imagine that a lot of biomedical engineers don't get out of school and start their own business. Did you have any kind of entrepreneurial influence in your life that kind of, you know, inspired you to to kind of do this or did it just come naturally? For me, starting my first business in school as well, it was always based on where is there a real world challenge that could be solved and that no one else is solving. I never wanted to start a company for the sake of, of starting a company, although I admire entrepreneurs who did. For me, it was always about the problem. And so when I saw this problem- That's that's how engineers think, right? It's like, what's the problem? (laughs) What's the timeline? What's the solution? And and why is no one else doing it? And that, that is really what motivated me. And I just kept asking that question of why, if this doesn't exist, why? If there's not a company doing it, why? And then why turned into how? And then it became why not? <laughs> yeah. So zeroing in on PathSpot, what was the aha moment for you when you thought, hey, I'm going for this. This is definitely something that's not in the market. How did that whole thing come to you? And when did you decide to take the leap? Now, I was seeing all these major issues around foodborne illness and outbreaks. You know, this was before the pandemic, but people were getting incredibly sick. There were hospitalizations, there were even deaths with businesses losing millions or billions of dollars. You know, it was lettuce, it was cereal. Yeah, you remember just total when waste. They, yeah. And I was looking at it and thinking, what is actually causing this? And I started just researching it. I, I enjoy looking up and trying to understand what's the root cause of this. And I found many of the articles that ended up being published and shared in CDC studies in 2020 and beyond, sharing that you know 89% of these outbreaks directly the result of poor hand-washing practices. Damn. And I was going door-to-door of, of restaurants asking these questions. I'd kind of just get up at, at 6 a.m. on Saturdays and knock on doors till midnight and ask people, how are you solving this challenge? And when everyone said, there's nothing that exists. I've waited 10 years for something to come out. I'm just hoping that my foodborne illness doesn't hit a restaurant or a guest or an employee. And I felt like, you know, in today's world with all the technology we have access to, we can do better. And it definitely started with me taping wires to dinner plates and iterating algorithms in my apartment bathroom until I decided to jump full-fledged on this just solely based off of potential customers and people in the industry telling me that they really needed it. Yeah. I think in learning a little bit about your company, I thought one of the funniest things was the high-tech solution in place, you know, in the last, whatever, 50 years or more was just a sign that said, wash your hands, (laughs) right? That's about all they could come up with. But maybe you can tell the audience about the hand scanner solution and exactly how it works. So it's a device that mounts on the wall next to a hand-washing sink. And and they go in the back of house of restaurants, packaging facilities, cafeterias, grocery stores. I mean, really anywhere where food is handled, stored, or served. And after an employee washes their hands, they put them underneath the device 
flip them over, and it instantly pops up on the screen and says either green, you're good yep. to go, go back to work, or red, rewash. It's using visible light fluorescent spectral imaging to autofluoresce dangerous contaminants on our hands. And then it also is constantly tracking back to the appropriate number of hand washes. You know, it's a requirement for restaurants and, and all these different environments. Employees need to wash their hands once an hour, once every 30 minutes, or when they complete certain tasks. We really gamify and engage team members in that so that they're tracking towards their hand washes throughout the day. But the reason for that is that we can really create a culture of cleanliness and safety by putting something tangible behind that important task of washing your hands. Yeah, really cool. And you work with like some super major impressive brands domestically and internationally. How did you get the first customers? Like, how did that come to you other than just being a bulldog and like forcing your way in there? Did they, did they just see it right away? Like the, the light bulb went off? You know, I definitely think there are real visionaries in the restaurant spaces as we're all aware of. And it's been such a powerful industry to be a part of because people want to make a difference. People want to serve healthy, safe food. And so many food safety team members are out there searching for solutions. How can we elevate our, our, our culture? How can we create a better, safer experience? And it's actually been the same inspiration that's encouraged us to start new products in the safety ecosystem. Because when team members themselves are coming to us and saying, we can do better. We want to do better. We want to serve people and our teams better. It just creates an environment that's really easy to work with and build together through. Yeah. And na name some of those brands that you're working with because they're so impressive. You know, across different industries, we have different customers that are capable of utilizing it. So in grocery, for example, we're fortunate to work with Target, HEB, and hotels and hospitality. We work with Marriott properties all over the country and internationally as well. Within the restaurant system, we work with everything from QSR, like yeah. Arby's and, and Taco Bell, to, you know, major restaurant sit-down organizations. We work with a ton of different cafeteria settings, whether it's in a university setting like USD or yep. in a office space like Bloomberg cafeterias. So it really is a vast set of different user bases, but all of them are united in their desire to improve health and safety. And I think it's a core indicator of how we as a industry are able to use this tool in order to elevate society through health measures. Yeah, it sounds like you've got tremendous amount of white space and are barely scratching the surface, which is super exciting. I mentioned in the introduction that PathSpot is building out a suite of services. In addition to the hand scanner, maybe you can talk about some of the other things you either have now or kind of are under development. So for us, we really started with the hand scanner because it was such a core challenge for brands to overcome. But as we were working with, with major organizations, we realized that there were all these other health and safety measures that are quite frankly, really challenging to keep up with in a busy environment. And that includes all of these safety checklists and logbooks from checking the temperature of every single refrigerator and yeah. cooler and hot hold once Nightmare. every hour, or keeping track of the expiration on every single product that comes in and out. I mean, these things are critical yeah. to an operation moving successfully, but they're really hard to do. And so our vision really evolved into being a digital system for all things health and safety. And by creating digital records of each of these components, it not only helps team members on a day-to-day -day basis 
really eliminate a lot of these tasks that were taking up their precious time in an environment that we all know is very challenging to maintain and keep up with labor challenges. Oh my God, yeah. Um, but it's also helping corporations at a more macro level look at data and trends and proactively respond to foodborne illness instead of the reactive nature that has become standard. There was perfect alignment in the timing of PathSpot's founding and the COVID-19 pandemic, but their hand scanner wasn't just a clever response to a growing emergency. It addressed a long-standing issue that demanded a solution. I wanted to know about PathSpot's ahead-of-the-curve timing and the impact COVID had on their launch. We're so fortunate that so many of these food safety team members were already fighting these battles far before the pandemic. But I think the biggest change for us has been the overall awareness of health and safety risk factors across the board. And, And really that comes down to employees and consumers. People are just more educated and aware of the transmission vectors of illness, their own personal health and safety. And it really has elevated this to become something that is no longer going above and beyond, but is just the base expectation. And so one of the things that's been so powerful, you know, through COVID and and beyond has been when team members and managers are going to the people investing in these solutions at their brand level and saying, I feel safer coming to work. I feel more comfortable managing the increasing expectations, knowing that we have the system in place and being able to empower those team members that are the backbone of the industry and and of of our society has been incredibly rewarding. Yeah, I never really thought of that, having, you know, your your whole workforce feeling just safer and that culture of safety that you talk about. How about the economic model of the business? How does that work? It's a monthly subscription fee for the tools themselves. We really work to to make this something that's going to be accessible and customizable for the brands we work with. You know, yep. different organizations need different things. And even though we're all united in the importance of HACCP and the importance of these different critical control points, it, it really varies depending on the organization. So it's pretty customized depending yeah. on the needs and and requirements of those organizations. But our structure is created the way it is because it's so much more than just a one-time thing that you throw in the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. It's a data-driven approach to food safety that's really elevating all of us across the board. Yeah, we'll get to that data part in a second, but I have to think there has to be an ROI in terms of the culture, the safety, being the employer of choice. One of the first things I, I thought of is a, a company that's collected data over a long period of time. Have you seen that show up in anybody's like marketing campaign? Because I would think to consumers, you know, talking about that would be incredibly important. Absolutely. I mean, we've even had some brands go so far as to put a tablet in the front window that is saying hand washer of the week. And this is how many hand washes we've completed in our location these days. But you're, you're spot on with the ROI component. You know, yes, there is definitely this underlying element of being able to streamline audits and prevent against the big loss of an outbreak. But at the same time, we find 
real operational impact on the bottom line day to day in labor efficiencies that we're helping drive, in reduction of, of sick days, in streamlining and capitalizing on trainings and using a data-driven approach to those instead of the standard, you know, wash your hands, make sure the temperature's right, really being intentional about yeah. that. As you can imagine saying to someone, you've got to wash your hands once an hour for 20 seconds or make sure that the refrigerator door's closed. It doesn't really mean anything, but yeah. when we can put data behind that and say, hey team, we really just didn't hit the right number of hand washes during the lunch rush and we're missing our ring fingers again. Let's really focus there. Or, hey team, we lost this much product and wasted this much energy by leaving the door open. We got to really hit that next week. You see that those metrics and efficiencies are drastically changed. Yeah, the data piece is, is cool and there's obviously so much talk about AI and, and all of that. Like, how does the customer receive the data? Like, you know, pretend I'm in the room kind of, you know, going through the logs or whatever. How do they see it? And, you know, what are kind of the easiest things to interpret? Well, I'll start with how they used to see it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right, a, like something written on a A giant piece of paper. binder of pieces of paper Yuck. where team members were filling in all of these forms manually. And as you can imagine, we're either lost, which is a huge problem in the audit process, or very difficult to decipher and read through. There's no trends being created from that. Right. And so what we've really done is taken that into one holistic digital platform. So at a day over day, hour over hour level, that looks like team members getting alerts to what they need to know when they need to know it. This piece of food is about to expire. This refrigerator is out of temp range and had a compressor failure, so we need to go fix this. You know, we aren't hitting enough hand washes, so we need to make sure we get some people washing their hands because contaminant was passed through our tongs in the last hour. And let's wash down the tongs while we're at it. Yeah. Really specific, really actionable pieces of nuggets that take once a month food safety trainings instead into a minute by minute, this is what we need to do to uphold our food safety. And then at a broader level, it looks like analyzing those different pieces of data across stores, across different facets of the organization, across regions, and understanding where the biggest risk factors are. The and dirty how to zip get, codes in the United <laughs> States, right? And how to get ahead of them, or how to get ahead on different regions or, or internationally, and how different food supply chains are impacting these pieces. You know, what can we do to understand where the challenges are, stop them before they happen, and then ultimately look at them over time, identify the risk areas, and be stopping them even further up the value chain. Yeah, I think what you just talked about is like so juicy when it comes to like this whole business and the ability to look at like the sources of food and where it comes from or, or things where you could collect data by geographic region and maybe, hey, wait a minute, who's the supplier in this area? Is something going wrong there? Or it's just like kind of fascinating. Or, or we see some really interesting things. For example, whenever there's an LTO in a store, yeah. food safety goes out the window. Uh, you know, we have the most things pop up as a challenge whenever there's an LTO in place. And it's because you're now thinking about that LTO. You're pitching yeah. it to customers. You're explaining it. You're learning how and to make it in the back. And there's pressure being applied by the 
the manager and all of that, right? It's really challenging. And so now we proactively learn when an LTO is coming for a brand and we'll run a food safety training in conjunction with it, or we'll do a a competition at the same time so that we're building that culture and ensuring there's no food safety gaps during that time. It's, It's things like that that you can really get an understanding of by spending time, you know, with the data and with our machine learning algorithms that that share these case studies and findings with the teams. Yeah, are there ongoing like new regulations and and safety processes that are constantly being put in like state by state, maybe it's not a federal thing. Like how do you keep up with all of that? Are there still new compliance issues coming up all the time? Absolutely. And I think the biggest question is, how are brands keeping up with that? There are so many pieces and changes and expectations. And, you know, really the impetus behind the Food Safety Modernization Act is all surrounding how can we get more proactive about foodborne illness issues so that we're not as a country reacting to these things with recalls and shutdowns and closures and audits that are quite frankly, too little, too late oftentimes. And so a lot of what is is being encouraged from a government level is similar to what we're helping to digitize and automate and streamline, which I think makes a big difference because if employees and team members are receiving all these expectations constantly and they're changing all the time. It's very hard to keep that in your head in the midst of everything else going on in a, especially a restaurant environment. hundred percent. How about the the company as a whole? What are kind of your short-term goals, near-term focus of the company? You know, we're sitting here in January of 2024, brand new year. What are the top few things that you're really focused on for this year? Our big focus is expanding with, as you mentioned, the additional product lines to help elevate safety and health and wellness across all verticals of food service. And that is an initiative that we started in, in 2023 and are excited to continue through in fruition and in 2024 as we continue to expand within our current customer base and, and unfortunately add more passionate brands uh, who care about food safety every day. How about the mentality from like COVID now that it's in the rearview mirror, you know, the worst part of it, obviously it's still around, but uh, has that mindset stuck? And the reason I bring that up is because I walked down the stairs to this interview today and I was like, oh, I'm going to put my hand on the handrail and kind of glide it all the way down the stairs. And I'm, I said to myself, you know what, I'm not going to do that. What's on that handrail? You know, (laughs) Um, do you think the mindset has kind of carried over a little bit? You know, it's more subconscious. You're not seeing as many people walking around with masks, for example. But I think what it happened is really people are more educated holistically, as you kind of mentioned, and more aware, even if it's subconscious, that walking in somewhere that doesn't feel clean or working somewhere that doesn't feel clean feels more challenging uh, is maybe even a visceral reaction than it did uh, prior to 2020. And I think we're hearing that across the board. You know, safety is a is a key differentiator yep. for customers and for employees alike. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. How about like five, 10 years out from now, what are hopes and dreams for the company? Where do you think you'll be? I mean, as you can imagine, we get requests constantly from all different facets of different industries. Imagine hospitals and schools, nursing homes, airports, individuals for at-home use. Yeah. 
Currently, our core focus is to expand within the food service industry because we know that the product is so critical for operations here. I really view this industry as one that's always innovative and bringing new things into our world. And I think that there's a ton of opportunity for us to expand and and continue to engage as we work towards preventative health care and safety in all different environments. Pathspots and Genius products fill a clear gap in health and safety, but their tech goes way beyond just solving an unmet need in the restaurant industry. They've revolutionized and modernized hospitality hygiene, providing full coverage safety solutions for both workers and consumers that mitigates major risks for entire corporations. At Welcome to the Arena, we're working really hard to bring you exciting guests and great content. If you found this episode insightful, subscribe to the show on your podcast app and leave us a five-star rating. The more the show grows, the more interesting voices we can have on the podcast. And in turn, that should demystify a lot of the stakeholders around public companies and soon-to-be public companies. Thanks for listening. I'd like to thank Christine Schindler for joining me on the show today. PathSpot are already seeing great results of their work across hospitality, and their innovative data platform leaves them plenty of white space in countless other industries. This is Tom Ryan. We'll see you next time back in the arena. References to specific stocks are not intended to be recommendations for specific trading behavior. Comments presented on this podcast are intended for informational and educational purposes only, and do not represent opinions or recommendations on whether to buy, sell, or hold shares of a particular stock. All investors are advised to conduct their own independent research into individual stocks before making a trading decision. In addition, investors are advised that past stock performance is no guarantee of future price performance.